All right. Let's turn together to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I like new songs, but I like them old songs too. 1 Samuel 17. Last Sunday, I began a series uh, for the fall semester looking at the life of David. And we started off, uh, going to pretty much go chronologically. So we started off our first time to see David show up in the Bible. Um, at this point in chapter, which was in 16 and 17, uh, Saul had, was the king, but he had disqualified himself. Uh, now he's still ruling, reigning. At that time, kings were political leaders, but also military leaders. It was kind of a combined thing. So he's still in office, uh, but David has been uh, selected by God and anointed as the next king. And so we're, we're, that transition of power has not really happened yet. Saul's not really aware of what has happened Um, and we get to chapter 17, we find this little story about David and Goliath. And so for a lot of us who are churched in some way, shape or form, David and Goliath is a very familiar story. Even outside of the church, David and Goliath is kind of a known, at least the, at least the bones of the story are known by a lot of people. And so um, there's a lot of verses in chapter 17, and I'm not going to read all of them, so I'll summarize a little bit and read a little bit. But it starts off, you have the, the Philistine army, and you have the Israelite army, and they're, at the, they're, on each, they're on two different mountains with a valley in between them. And it's just kind of a standoff point. We've probably all seen enough uh, Braveheart-type movies to kind of be able to visualize that. They're over here. They're over here, and there's like a standoff, like who's, who's going to go first? And uh, this guy, Goliath, was known as, he was the Philistine champion. And what they would do is they would try to, in an effort to save lives and uh, horses and all that kind of stuff, said, hey, let's each pick our best guy, let him come out and fight on behalf of the army. And so Goliath was the champion who fought on behalf of the Philistine army. And um, he's obviously undefeated because he's alive. Uh, but he was this great champion. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, uh, had incredible strength and an incredible track record in battle. He was just a bad dude and uh, like bad in a like in an awesome way. If you're talking about warriors, uh, he was not someone that you wanted to face. And so um, every morning and every night for 40 days, Goliath would walk out and taunt Israel. So look at verse eight. He shouted, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay? So he comes out every morning, comes out in the morning, says that, Israel, nothing. 
So he goes back, and at the end of the day, he comes out and says it again. Does this for 40 days. So it's a 40-day standoff between these two armies. Now, David is the youngest of eight uh, or seven. It, the lists vary at different points. He's the youngest in the family. His three oldest brothers are a part of the Israelite army. And David is, is a shepherd. And so he's back home. He's too young to fight in the army. He's probably 16 years old at this point. Not old enough to fight in the army yet. Uh, he's tending to the sheep for the family, all that. Um, but his father starts to like kind of worry about his son, so he sends David, uh, like, "Hey, go to the go to the battle line, go to the army. Um, here's some food, you know. Take some stuff to your brothers. Check on them, see how they're doing." So David shows up one day, and he hears Goliath give this speech, taunting Israel, mocking Israel saying, someone come and fight me. So look at verse 26. This is David's response. He says, says to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, so David is like, who is this punk that's going to come out and taunt us? Like, and it had already been declared, if anyone will go out and fight this guy and win, then you'll, you'll be, have all the riches of the kingdom and all this kind of stuff. And so he's like, what's the, what is going on? Why is no one doing anything? This guy is mocking us, but when you mock us, you mock our God, and like, we're just putting up with it? Like he, just, he doesn't understand why it's been 40 days of this taunting. Um, because the nation of Israel represented God on the earth. That's, that's how they thought of it. Like We are God's representation here on the earth, and he's mocking us. And why, why would we put up with our God getting mocked? Look at verse 31. The words that David spoke were heard. They repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, so this is 16-year-old David who's the future anointed king, speaking to the current king who doesn't know who David is. Like He doesn't really know what's going on here necessarily at the time. He says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, he's talking about himself, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. He's been a man of war from his youth. And David says to Saul, your servant, because he's meaning himself, used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and, a, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, this is the, this is the really remarkable part of the story. Okay? The focal point tends to be on the, the sling and the stones and all that, that kind of stuff. But really, this, this is the... This is the part of the story that we're supposed to grab onto the most. Is the faith of this young man 
His faith was greater than fill in the blank. It was greater than his fear about what might happen to him. It was greater than his fear of losing his own life. It was greater than his fear of being embarrassed in front of the army or in front of the king. It was greater than um, like the pain that he may endure if he gets beat up in the battle. It was greater than the obvious like mismatch that was set up out there. That he just believed that because of who he is, meaning he's the Lord's, that God would protect him, that God would fight on his behalf. It's, it sounds like a kind of courage that's really, really unique. That's because it's based in his trust of the Lord and not his own self, his own courage. In other words, you know, his, his rationality is like, God has protected me from way scarier things than that dude. He's just tall and strong. I fought a lion. I fought a bear. God's going to protect me from those like wild beasts. Why wouldn't he protect me from this guy? Him thinking about like his faith was not his faith was based on like God's actual track record in his life. And I think that's such an important point for us to like to sit in a little bit. There's times when we have things in front of us and it is a like matter of faith. Like, do I, do I trust the Lord or do I not trust the Lord? And we're kind of working through that a little bit. And are we as quick as David to be like, well, let me think through my life. Let me think through the times when God has like stepped in and done something on my behalf. When has he done for me what I could not do for myself? You have a list. The older you get, the longer your list gets, right? We, as a church, have a list. Things he's done for us that we could not do, right? Like the fact that two churches merged together in 2018, and we we like each other, right? Like this is going great. Like you just keep, you can, we can keep going back, like across the world right now, the Spirit of God is sustaining and empowering his sons and his daughters. Some in really great, like, we're very comfortable in this room right now. Some of you are probably like, it's a little cold in this room. And you go to the all the way to the other extreme to know that there are believers on this day that will gather in secret because their lives will be taken from them if their governments knew that they were meeting. That he's sustaining this full spectrum of experience among all of his kids right now in this moment. Like, the Lord has done great things for us. We have a Bible that, from cover to cover, tells the story of God constantly showing up for his people. And it's like in this flash, David pulls all that together and is like, I'll go fight this guy. And the opportunities that you and I have of like, I'll... I'll go have that conversation with somebody. I'll start praying about forgiveness, you know. I'll stand in solidarity with my coworker who's been ostracized, you know. I'll share the gospel with this person. I'll have my neighbors over into my home for dinner. 
I'll ask God, how do I not make it weird, but also like make it known that I'm a believer. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do all this. God has done all of these things for us. And if our intensity of persecution were to increase, whether that's through serving him in other parts of the world, or if things change in America and our, like the cost of following the Lord increases, like all those examples and experiences will continue to, to mount. And yet he's the same through all of them. That's really what David is saying is God has not changed. He has not changed. So if he helped me kill the, the bear and the lion to protect my flock, then why wouldn't he help me kill this Philistine who is mocking the very name of our God? God's no different. And so for you and I, as we're like progressing through life and we keep coming upon new challenges and new obstacles, a part of what we have to keep in mind is that God is no different. God's not changing the rules on us. Everything else is changing the rules on us all the time right? The government's changing the rules on us. The financial markets are changing the rules on us. Schools are changing the rules on us. The CDC is changing the rules on us, right? Some of y'all kids in here are like, our parents are changing rules on us. Like, yeah, that's, it happens. Like, it's like life is morphing and changing, and yet God is this steady anchor. This was just the next opportunity that David had to live by faith and not by sight. And by all accounts, his sight should have told him, go back home and take care of the sheep where you belong. And yet he's looking around me like, I don't know who y'all believe in, but I'll show you who I believe in. It's an incredible moment. And, you know, a lot of times you, you do the, the David and Goliath story and it's like, okay, so what are the giants in your life, you know? And that's, that's not a bad way to approach the story. Like, what are the menacing things that are, like, like, threatening me? But the centerpiece of the story is the Lord. It's not Goliath. It's not David. It's not the stones in the pouch. It's not the sling. It's God showing up for his people. And so as we face whatever it may be, remember, the, the key is, is his faith in God enough to say, I'll go out there. So Saul's like, hey, more power to you, man. Um, he, uh, look at verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his own armor, put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Uh, David strapped his sword over his armor. He tried to go and, uh, and tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. David said to Saul, I can't go with these. I've not tested them. So he put them off. He took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Okay, so Saul tries to hook him up with all this fancy armor, and probably because David was like 16 years old, and this was all made for like grown men, he just couldn't, he couldn't maneuver in it. So what does he do? He takes that off, and he, he goes with the tools of his profession, staff, some stones and a sling. Like that's what shepherds would carry. That's what shepherds used to protect their flock um, in case there was a predator. And so he's like, I'm just going to get what I'm, what I'm used to working with here. Now, I'm sure from a war standpoint, that just ensures like this kid is definitely going to get ripped apart. But there's a beauty to it, and I'll come back to there in a minute. In a minute. But um, several years ago, I, I got to go to Israel um, 
the, the church sent me with a group. It was one of the best gifts I've ever been given. And one of our first stops, we came to this, this spot. And so we were sitting on, a, on one of the mountains, and we're looking across at the other mountain, and there's a valley in between us. And uh, there's, one, there's one natural stream that runs through it, like, to, like as of today. Um, and so they were saying, like, look, it's impossible for us to, like, 100% say this, but, like, geologists and all that kind of stuff have basically said, like, this is the stream. Like, this is the stream that David got the rocks from. This is the viewpoint where they're staring at the other army. And it's a, it's a, it's a walk. Like, it's a ways. And so, of course, they, like, so, you know, go get a rock from the stream. Everybody wants to. So everybody, like, runs down and tries to get a rock. And like, they got the same rock. This was like a, an intense situation, though. Like David would have, he would have had to walk a long, 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 long way. And so you think about what's, what's in his mind. He's got these stones. He's got the sling. He's got a staff. And he's walking. And I would, I would just guess, if my memory serves me, I bet it would take you 20 minutes to walk to the middle. What's going through his mind? What's going through his heart? What's going through whatever? Who, who really knows? But we do know what Goliath is thinking. Let's look at verse 41. The Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head, and I'll give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give me, he will give you into our hand. That's a heck of a speech, right? 16 year old, 20 minute walk to get out to this guy who's just, let's say he's four feet taller than David, maybe. Screaming, I'm gonna, I'm about to rip you apart. And David's like, "Oh no, 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 no! You, you misjudge the situation. You misjudge who I am here on behalf of." So I'm sure Goliath got a kick out of that one. Verse 48: When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line. I love that. He got close enough to have that exchange, and the glass toward him. David's like, I just ran, ran at him. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. 
So David prevailed over the Philistine with the sling and with the stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Now, obviously, we all know why that makes a great kid's story. Uh, It's rough, you know. It's a standoff. The little guy wins. The little guy with the big faith wins. And so for us to take away from that story, to move past the, like, word of the giants in your life and to, to think more, like, what is... What does that kind of faith in action look like? Let me draw us to two, two ideas, and they're, they're interconnected. One, one is that the, like bearing the name of God was something that David took very seriously. Like him living by faith and not by sight was rooted in the fact that God to him was not a marginal part of his life. That he took bearing the name of God incredibly seriously. Even like in, in verse 26, which you don't have to read it, but the thing that gets David riled up is that the, it's not that like, oh, we're going to fight the Philistines. It's that this guy was mocking his God. That's the thing that fired him up. He was not going to sit by and let God be insulted or let the, God's people be threatened and I know it's not exactly like a one-to-one equality here, but you pull that into our own lives. Like, if you are in Christ, like as we sang earlier about the, the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, if you have said yes to him laying his life down that you could live forever through him, And then when he rose from the grave, you also rose from the grave and you will rise in the end with him. Like if all of that is is who you are, you bear his name. Like you already bear his image. We're all made in his image. But when our faith is placed in Christ and we have the life of Christ that raises us from the dead, we also get his name. Names are a big deal in the Bible, all throughout the Bible. We even see times where God's like, I'm going to change your name from this to this. Abram to Abraham, Saul to Paul. Like, God's like, yeah, I'm going I'm to change it. And he even tells us that in Revelation 2.17, you want to talk about your future? Um, this is what he tells one of the churches. This, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, okay, that's us in the end, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. That in Christ you have been given a new identity as one who is alive, and he's given you a new name. You may not know it yet. But when, you are, when someone is adopted into a family, they, they get a new name. When we are adopted into God's family, we get a new name. And at some point, according to what the Bible says, you're going to get handed a white stone that's going to have a name on it. And you're like, hey, this is, this is what I've been calling you. This is, this is your new name. 
So to bear the name of God and the image of God, to bear the name he has given us as his own, is a really, really special thing from God's perspective. And we live in a world where the name of God is disrespected constantly. And just just between us, just us, aren't you tired of it? Yeah. I get really, really worn out by people mocking God and mocking his bride. I'm so sick of people beating up on the church. I'm fine with saying like, hey, this, this, was, not, this was not great. This was not handled well. This is not a reflection of our Savior, like some of those kinds of things. But man, when people start just shredding the church, I think it really, really upsets the Lord. When Paul was leaving Ephesus and he gives the charge to the elders in Acts chapter 20, he looks at him. He says, you shepherd the flock of God who Jesus died for with his own blood. The church should not be mocked. We should not put up with the bride being mocked. We should not put up with our Lord being mocked. In our social media world, and all these influencers and different things like that, they're constantly being critical and all this kind of stuff. I, I Hear me out. I do believe that there, we have to be quick to say that was not cool. That was not, that's not who we are. But that's the thing. That's not who we are. We are the, we're the people of God. We're the bride of Christ. Should, should we make every effort to make her the beautiful, holy, without blemish bride that he's returning for? Absolutely. Absolutely we should. But I think a part of that is us being quick to defend who we are. Not being like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like sometimes we get it wrong and this and this and this. Like, don't coward to that. We are the people of God. We bear his name. We bear a new name. I think that's just really important. When I read through this and I see David, who was like, I'm not going to sit here and let the people of God be mocked. I'm not going to sit here and let our God be mocked. It, it makes me want to rise up a little bit more and say, yeah, that, I'm not, I should be no different than David. I should not put up with that in our world. I certainly shouldn't contribute to it. And I probably have been guilty of contributing to it and just going along with it. And as I was reading it, I felt like the Lord just put it on my heart. Like, hey, this, this is a, a part of this story we can, we can walk away with and walk in fullness and in truth more and more about. That we take like, a, like pride in who we are. Not sinful pride. The kind of pride of, to know that we are the Lord's. He looks at us, says, I, I have married you. As Christ loved the church, that we would be holy and without blemish. That's what he's doing among us. So pick our heads up. 
Live it. Live it. And so here's David taking like what it means to bear the name of God and be the people of God, taking it so seriously that he would put himself into this crazy situation. The other thing is, is how what David did in that moment was not miraculous. Like he had, like the faith part of it, we look at that and we're like, that might be miraculous. But the actual like, like taking the stone, putting it in the sling, slinging it, I guess is the right word. That's just what, that was his profession. That's what he did. He was a great shot. There, was a, there wasn't a miraculous shot. If I went out there and with my life training and did it, that would be a miracle for sure. But this is what he did every single day. He took down threats to the flock with a sling and some stones. And so, not saying it wasn't a big deal. I'm not saying it wasn't a great shot. Just saying, like, that's not the miracle. But that tends to be the focus. What an amazing shot. His profession connected to this opportunity to represent his God. And there's no difference between him and how we live our lives either. Everything that you do with your life is an opportunity and a platform to like represent your Lord and your Savior in whatever it is that you do. Like you're like how you spend your nine to five. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, I'm retired or I'm a stay-at-home parent, that kind of thing. That, you, you still count. This still absolutely factors in. When you think about your profession, what you're doing, what you're training to do for all of our like, young people, every bit of that connects to, like, like God has brought you into those different fields to have moments like this, hopefully not like violent ones like this, but opportunities to say, like, oh yeah, my profession makes a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. The people that you interact with, the actual like task that you are performing, those are those are all have to do with like bearing the name of God just in those different contexts. Whenever you think about your work environment, those coworkers, uh, and I know there's so many different things that people do across the board here. All the people that you're interacting with Monday through Friday, nine to five. All those people, you are reaching so many more people than I could ever reach as a pastor on staff at a church. You have so much more influence on the culture of our city than I will ever have. Some of you have more followers on your social media stuff because of what you do than I will ever have. And I try, I post so much trying to get followers. You have, there's just so much opportunity. God has, God has given you platforms. You don't have to create your own platform. You don't have to become an influencer. God is the one who establishes you where you work, doing what you do, connected to the people that you're connected with. And he wants you to use that for his glory. He does. Your coworkers, your employees, your employers, the people that you, whatever, they should not be shocked 
if they found out that you were a believer. That should be a known thing. That should be a clear-cut thing. There's no question about that. You don't have to be a weirdo about it. It should be known. Our professions and our mission are linked together. Those are not separate things. And even if someone says, well, I'll get fired if I do it. No, you won't. I mean, if you do certain things, probably. That's why I say don't be a weirdo. That's really the need to say, come before the Lord and say, Lord, my career is, is yours. It is yours. Show me how to bring you into it. It would be incredible in, to me if, if today there were those of you who, who like did that very thing. You brought the Lord your business. You brought the Lord your career. You brought the Lord all of that stuff and said, Lord, I know that it is yours. I need your wisdom to show me how to bring you into it in a way that is truly a blessing to other people. What joy that would bring to him. What joy it would bring to the countenance of God for one of his sons, one of his daughters, to do that today. Even if there's confession of like, Lord, I've intentionally tried to keep you out of it because I'm afraid of this and this and this. But if 16-year-old David can do it, then I can do it. Will you show me? Will you help me? That if we brought that into our conversations with other people of like, hey, I heard what preacher guy was saying the other day, and I've been thinking about this. I'm like, what do you think about that? Like, bring some wisdom into it after you've talked to the Lord about it. I wonder if David ever thought, I wonder if he walked away that day, went back home, well, whatever he did. I was like, man, I never would have thought that my shepherding skills would be able to point people to the glory and power of God. What a, what a day. What an incredible day. I don't think it's an accident that this story got in there. I don't think this story is just, just there for like children's community groups and like those kinds of things. I think it's for the grown-ups. I think we're supposed to be challenged and look at this kid and be like, man, I, I want to believe like that. I want to take action like that. I want to take my, like, my identity as a child of God seriously like that. I, I want to be very quick to recognize how what I do for a living brings the kingdom of God close to people. I think, I think that's a part of what we're supposed to learn from this kid, David. In chapter 16, God told us the reason why he was picked. The man looks at the outward stuff. God looks at the heart. This is what he's looking at. This is why this 16-year-old kid is anointed and said, you're the one. Now, on this side of Jesus, on this side of the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, that thing in David that, that's like bringing that kind of fire and that kind of life lives within us. It says in, the, in chapter 16 that, that after he was anointed, it says that the spirit, uh, the spirit rushed upon him. It doesn't mean that it filled him. That's like kind of a different kind of thing. But there was like, when he was anointed, like something happened that empowered him to do what he was going to need to do. And that something has happened to us. 
And if you've never said yes to Jesus, you can say yes to him today. You don't have to come and talk to me, although I would love for you to come and talk to me. You don't have to have someone repeat a prayer to you. You can come to the Lord and acknowledge, I am dead in my sins. You came to give me life. I believe that you are the one. Tell him that today. And then tell someone else, hey, I I told God that. But if you have told him that, you are filled with the very thing that you need in order to apply whatever it is God has spoken to you through this text. And so in the next few minutes, we're going to, like, it it then, like, becomes personal. And we'll sing some songs. That might, might be what you need to do. You can come kneel down here and pray at these steps. If that is helpful to you, we have communion over here to your right. If taking the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, if that, if that is for you, like taking in that grace today, if that's what you need, we want you to have that option. You can do all three of those. You can do none of those, whatever you want. But whatever God is stirring within you, you got, you got to do something with it. You can tuck it away and ignore it. Or you can say, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you into it. We just want to create a little space where you have kind of work through that before we dismiss and then your Sunday gets complicated. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I thank you for young David in this story. I'm thankful that while a lot of other people stood by and were afraid of what was being presented, that something stirred within him that would not allow him to just sit back. Thankful for the, that burning faith that David had inside of him. That he not only believed that you would protect him, but he... Uh, He knew that you had marked him as one of your own. And God, you have marked us as your own. Bearing your image and bearing your name. God, I think about the the earliest of Christians in that in the book of Acts where they were they were trying to be like you so much in in their towns that they just started kind of little Christs. Which is where we get Christian from. And how they changed the world because they took so seriously your words and what it means to be yours. And so I pray, God, you help us to be the embodiment of that as well. And so in these next few moments as we respond to you in different ways would you have your way among us in this room would you help us to have the faith to say yes uh, to whatever it is that you are drawing us into this morning god we love you and we thank you and i pray this all in the good name of jesus amen